Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Conversations on Dance is generously supported by Yumiko. The Yumiko Heather Collection is now available. The Heather Collection is made from a high-performance fabric that features a settled flecked color effect. This ready-to-wear collection offers nine styles of leotards and four color options, including gray, pink, blue, and purple. If you haven't yet seen this newest collection, you have to click around yumiko.com to see these gorgeous looks for yourself. Stay up to date on everything Yumiko by following them on Instagram at yumiko and at yumikoworld. This episode is brought to you by the Nantucket Athenaeum Dance Festival. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we are joined by Tyler Engel, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet and artistic director of the Nantucket Athenaeum Dance Festival. Tyler Engel was born in Pennsylvania and began his dance training at the age of nine at the Allegheny Ballet Company. He entered the School of American Ballet full-time in the fall of 2001. In the fall of 2003, Mr. Engel became an apprentice with the New York City Ballet. He joined full-time as a member of the Corps de Ballet in June of 2004 and was promoted to the rank of principal in 2009. This will be Tyler's fifth season as the artistic director of the Nantucket Athenaeum Dance Festival, which will be taking place this July 22nd through 27th and will feature world-class stars from the New York City Ballet, LA Dance Project, Miami City Ballet, and Pacific Northwest Ballet. Tickets will go on sale for the festival July 1st and can be purchased through their website, which we have linked to in the description of this episode. Tickets can also be purchased at the box office located in the Great Hall of the Athenaeum during library hours. Tickets are $45, $60, or $85 with discounts offered for children under 12, students, and seniors. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tyler. I know that you are very busy. You're on the cusp of another spring season and you um, are probably rehearsing a million ballets, but you made time for us. So we are very appreciative. It's my pleasure. So we want to talk uh, to you about your exciting summer that you have coming up. But before we get into all of that fun, we just want to start first talking about your career. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got your start in ballet? 
I started <clears throat> dancing when I was seven years old. My brother, Jared Angle, who's also a principal dancer at New York City Ballet, started dancing probably five years before me, maybe even more than that. He started dancing very young, like five or six. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there was one summer when I feel like I was home and I was complaining to my father that I had nothing to do, no chores, no like books to read. Like I just, I was complaining about something. And he said, well, mm -hmm. you can jump in the car and I'm going to pick up your brother. And when we got to the ballet studio, he said, and now you can just go see what your brother does for an hour or two and I'll be back to pick you up. Mm -hmm. And then I was just sort of like wandering around the studios and then my, then my ballet, she became my ballet teacher. Uh, Deborah Anthony sort of called me in and I took my first ballet class and the rest is sort of history. <laughs> I do remember that the girls were younger than I was when I went into that class. And I remember that they were all very like little soldiers. They just mm -hmm. knew what every step was and what every movement was my body was very recalcitrant and I couldn't, it was like point your left toe and my right toe was like scrunched and the right <laughs> arm was the left arm and looking left uh -huh. and right. And I was sort of used to being a really precocious kid. And I was like, I didn't have to practice the piano because I could just sort of go fake it when the lesson came. And I, and here was something that I was like, Oh, there's literally no, it's just me and my body. <laughs> there's nothing to do except to do it right. And I think mm -hmm. that that really, hooked me from the outset. Mm -hmm. So would you say that that was um, ballet from then on was something that you were very, very interested in? Or did you have to overcome that sort of um, uh, initial, those initial uh, beginnings of awkwardness? No, it was almost immediate. I mean, the fascination was, is I'm a really process oriented person. And so, and I know I just said, like, I'd never practiced the piano, but <laughs> one thing about dance and about music that I love is that it's a continual process. And that was something that was very apparent to me as a child, um, that you could really, really throw in with the process. I mean, it wasn't always about the end goal. I mean, it's, it's at least as much about the journey as it is about where you end up. Um, right. Which I think the thing can be said about a lot of things. My parents are also very process-oriented people. And so I think that that was just appealing to me. There was discovery, there were options, and it was like many paths that could lead many different ways. Right. Um, we did want to talk to you a little bit about your time playing the piano. We had your brother, Jared, on the podcast, and we asked him about this. I think we maybe asked him the same question, but how do you feel that your experience with music contributes to and shapes your dancing now? I feel like I've thought this before. Imagine I might have said this in an interview before, but I feel like the fullest expression of whatever music exists inside of me is through dancing. Mm -hmm. Like as opposed to me being able to become a musician, which Lord knows if that could have ever happened. Probably not. <laughs> but <clears throat> I think that that is what always really, yeah, it was always about the music or about the rhythm um, and about the relationship with the two things. I mean, I really it sort of um, is the cornerstone of, of my whole time on the stage, time in the studio is about the interaction with the musicians and with the, the piece. And I mean, talk about having such a skewed relationship to music as a dancer, 
here mm-hmm. I am. I'm like, I, I rarely ever have to walk into a studio where it's to recorded music. Mm-hmm. And so like some sort of amazing honor and a privilege that I've had in my path to be able to call that my familiar experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's exceptional. And I think that, I mean, we're jumping forward, but I think one thing that I've really endeavored to try to do with the festival as well, because there are, you know, a multitude of young musicians, super talented musicians willing to come and do things outside of their own comfort zones. And right. I think that that's been nice to try to open, um, open it up in ways that maybe, you know, not every dance, little dance concert performance is to live music. There aren't, there aren't reductions of things. Sometimes scores are hard to get to. Sometimes explaining it is difficult. And I feel like a little bit of extra work. And then you have a richer experience because of it. And so I think that, to answer your question, it just it makes it a richer experience for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm okay with jumping ahead because now this, I think this is an interesting train of thought. And I, we definitely want to talk uh, about what's coming up in Nantucket. So if we need to backpedal to your you're dancing we can absolutely but i so that makes me wonder so you have been the artistic director at the um nantucket Athenium festival for this will be your fifth summer um and are do you make, i think it might be longer than that oh, i'm not okay. certain well, internet, but i think it's longer Tyler, the internet never lies no <laughs> right to update that um no uh so has that been a priority for you finding ways um to ensure that uh live music can be a part of the festival yeah a hundred percent i mean yeah like absolutely that has been one of my i mean also because before i was the director benjamin milpier was the director Mm -hmm. who he's been a huge mentor of mine for my whole career Mm -hmm. and when he was asked to like throw his name in for the paris opera ballet position Mm -hmm. and then eventually got it and that's when I got a call from him being like, I, it's only halfway through the year and I have like some ideas about the festival, but is this uh-huh. something that you would be interested in doing? I was like, sure. But I remember going to the festival as only a dancer with him and mm-hmm. remember couples coming in with recordings of things and sitting out in the audience with him just being like, oh my God, this is so, ter-. it's just like really, really terrible to listen to a bad recording right. mm-hmm. yeah i.e like read any recording of like flames of paris anything that you've ever <laughs> heard recorded at a gala they're all terrible they're terrible right. quality they're like they've been adjusted for pitch so like the pitch is wrong right i mean it's really something that like deeply like it it hurts my soul because like <laughs> there's like a whole group of people like a lot of people who mm-hmm. this is what they do for a living it's like you can speak with them and talk with them and like find ways to make it better right. for your audience and for your thing. So, yeah. yeah. So as we know, as dancers and Miami city ballet kind of came up with um, an issue with this and some of our earlier years in the company that it's hard to maintain live music, not only like you mentioned before, it's like finding the people getting the scores and the money is really, really difficult. So have you come up against challenges with that, with the festival and have you, have you felt like, you know, I have to stand my ground on this. I need to make this happen. This is really important. One thing that's also exceptional about the, this festival situation is that we aren't a dance festival. It's like, it's not like one year. Ethan Stiefel was the very first artistic director. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like Ethan one year was like, you know what I want to do? I want to take a bunch of my friends, go out to Nantucket and put in a performance and like, let's see what happens. 
Mm-hmm. The library has been, the Athenaeum has been a driving force in this. And so I, mean, I have so many thoughts about what it, what it is like to partner with such an amazing cultural institution mm-hmm. in a small community like that Nantucket is. But because we essentially function as a fundraiser for the library, it's like we have a budget at the outset. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not, I mean, and yes, it's like we are, we fundraise for specific things in that festival, but there is a budget that the library has also for fundraising purposes. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my point is we're not, we're not running up against that nothing existed, no parent or umbrella organization beyond this. This wasn't sure. me going around. I mean, we have two things that are really going for us here is one, the, the island has an exceptional feeling of goodwill for this public institution. I mean, it's a private institution that, that functions as a, that offers public library services, uh-huh. but it's a private nonprofit, 501c3. Mm-hmm. And most of the funding, like majority, like well over 50% comes from private funders. And you mm-hmm. have a community on the island that realize how important, I mean, this is the the library where Frederick Douglass gave his first speech as a free man mm-hmm. up in their great hall. I mean, there's an incredible history and it's really tied deeply to the island. And so there's like a goodwill that we're riding the coattails of. And right. then we're, and then it's like, oh, and then we're offering all of these other things. It's like when people are in the mood to give and support, it's not really a hard sell at right. that, at that point. So in that way, I've been exceptionally lucky. Listen, if, if it's, if it had been the other way around, if someone had just gone out there cold and tried to break into that summer, like cultural um, event circuit mm-hmm. with just a rando idea that had never been presented there that wasn't in conjunction with one of the larger institutions, it would have been much more difficult. And then I think I would be in a position where I would really have to sell people on live music. Um, right. But again, a supportive community because I mean, the difference is, is the first year that I took over, I was really like, let's just do the whole thing with musicians. Like I'm going to find a way. A lot of the mm-hmm. string players were my friends. Mm-hmm. The pianist was a colleague of mine from New York city ballet. And we sat down and we found reductions. We wrote reductions. We, we came up with ways to do this. And then the response that we got from the audience was like, wow, I mean, we didn't have to listen to that terrible sound system. We didn't have to do this thing. The musicians are so close. We're in a, we're in a, a high school auditorium. It's like mm-hmm. they were right next to the, They were seeing uh-huh. the players. Mm-hmm. So there was an added physical. I mean, like playing an instrument is highly kinetic. I mean, mm-hmm. as in it's 100% kinetic. You don't get a sound without a movement. And so in that mm-hmm. way, the visual interest from the audience was doubled. We was right. you know, it was what was happening on stage and what was happening in the proscenium. So I think then I already had a group of people who were like really involved and committed to the success of this festival as a fundraising event for the library. And then mm-hmm. to show them that, oh, and this is what happens when you add five musicians was like, they were like, yes, give us more of that. Mm-hmm. That's and then the next year it was like seven musicians and I brought a singer. <laughs> Amazing. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's, when people are willing and then excited, it's it's a much different thing as opposed to having to convince. So mm-hmm. in that way, I was I'm, I was very lucky again. Sure. So you, you had danced at the festival before, but uh, you know, agreeing to fully direct it is a wholly different hurdle. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if that was something. Those sorts of ambitions were things that you had thought about 
before Benjamin Milpier asked you to take over for him? Was that? No, yeah. not at all, actually. Okay. Um, in sort of a presenting way, not at all. Mm -hmm. I'm a highly opinionated person. And so I think then having a point of view was something that aided me in the process. Sure. But it, it's not, no, it wasn't. You know, I work with a lot of people in my daily life in a huge organization. Organizational pursuits are not always my, they would be my number one ideal, mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, leisurely pr pursuit in the summer because it's a lot of work. <laughs> right. Um, that being said, like very quickly, any, any sort of, I don't know what the right word would be, hesitations that I had about really jumping in, especially halfway through the year, were uh, quelled really quickly because the woman who runs the library, Molly Anderson, she's the executive director there, she's the librarian, is such an incredible person and she has been and is an amazing partner with a project like this. So I found that here was a person who's you know, her expertise lies outside of mine and vice versa. It's like she didn't know what to do with the festival. I don't know what to do, structural organization and mm -hmm. dealing with boards, et cetera, et cetera. And somehow we really, we found a really excellent synergy. And I felt just really buoyed my process. I felt like every step of the way she would hear a kernel of a good idea or hear my excitement in a certain vein Mm -hmm. And encourage me to pursue those things because that's when, again, programs, fundraising, in, you know, answer your own, include your own ending. And that mm -hmm. goes better when those are the feelings that you're following. Right. Um, and I think it would have been different. I mean, I, th I think a lot of times when people want to do a project, it's like, oh, God, I just want to be able to get out and do my own project. Right. I like read. You don't have to deal with anybody else. It's my project and my vision. Mm -hmm. And again, never wanting to do this. I don't know if I had those thoughts, but I was very thankful that from the beginning I had some very strong um, partners in this regard. Right. Mm -hmm. So what was it like when um, Benjamin Millipier approached you? You know, it was already, you said, like halfway through the year. Had he already like programmed? Had he already contracted dancers? What was it like kind of like being thrown in into the deep end, essentially? There was one... And now I'm not remembering. I don't have my like old notebooks in front of me. There was one, there was like one solid, there was like a thing that he had an idea. I remember we talked on the phone. I was backstage. Like I just had exited from a, it was like a dress rehearsal of something. I remember we were state theater and I exited stage left. And then Faith Petridis, who's like our, our artistic coordinator, who'd done a lot of work with Benjamin in the past came over and she said, did you see Benjamin's email? And I was like, yeah, actually, you know, I did. We sort of touched base. She was like, are, are we going to do this? Like, we, we sort of need to start this <laughs> now. <Right> now. <laughs> wow. And I don't remember. I mean, it was pretty, it was, instances. yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and it was pretty open-ended. Like I said, there was one larger piece, like, like a work, something that was like 15 minutes that he had like hoped to have. Oh, it was, it was seven sonatas. It was Alexei's Seven Sonatas, but mm -hmm. I think that this was one idea that he had had for the program that year. Um, and I was like, great. So then that was my very first running idea for that program. I reached out to Alexei, asked him what dancers he wanted me to ask, and then we sort of went from there. 
That's awesome. So, I mean, that would have been so overwhelming to me to even consider doing that. But you have all the connections. Like you said, you just reached out to Alexi. It's fine, you know, to be able to continue with that process. So, I mean, reach out to Alexi is like, call him. Right. Send an email. Totally. Send an Insta message. <laughs> send a Facebook message. Facebook like, message. Wait two weeks. And he like, likes oh, Facebook. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> wait two and a half weeks, like send again. And then eventually like see him in a rehearsal for a ballet that you're dancing and then corner him after said ballet and <laughs> ask him for his thing. And all of which happened and all of which like has gone very well. But like yeah. he is a unicorn when it comes to yeah. communication. <laughs> You've heard um, that too. We're glad it's not just us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but like, listen, if that's what he needs to function, by all means, keep yeah. functioning that way. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so... I, I imagine there must have been a pretty steep learning curve that first year, um, your first um, experience in this sort of role or position. Um, what were some of the challenges that came up that maybe you hadn't anticipated? It's an interesting question because it's always, it's always a big push. Mm -hmm. Every single year is a big push. And I think that's because every single year, you know, you're endeavoring for the same artistic rigor and the same level of like audience excitement. And, you know, you're going for the same things. Um, the, the goal doesn't, the height of the goal doesn't change. And so mm -hmm. I feel like I try to sort of stress myself out with that every year. Right. I think that it's personnel is always not even like it's a challenge. I think it's just always, again, communication. Communication mm -hmm. with the people that you're working with. Mm -hmm. I think that it's very easy to not communicate or to wait until you have everything 100% perfect, you have your whole plan, you have every single thing that you want to tell this person, and then you reach out and you communicate with them. Mm -hmm. Except that the planning and running of things in real life is not linear in that way. Right. I have not found it to be linear in that way. But I think that it is really, really essential to communicate clearly. I think clarity of intent um, is a huge thing that has been helpful for me in the subsequent years. And that's, I think, something that I also did the first year, but it, it became apparent to me how necessary it was right. to really try to keep a clear, to communicate clearly and to be clear about what your plan is. And mm -hmm. yeah, clarity is, is a big thing for me. Do you feel like this has given you um, experience within the art form that you would use elsewhere, perhaps someday, maybe in the form of artistic director somewhere else? I mean, I'm still hoping to just win like one of those weekly scratch offs and have a <laughs> tiny little cabin up the Hudson with a little apple orchard in a garden. That's like, <laughs> it's my ideal. Um, no, I, you know, I've, I've enjoyed this as a festival pursuit because of like the, 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 my scope is very wide. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I set out my, uh, my mission, my mission is wide. My mission isn't tied to a school or an, I mean, my mission is tied to an institution, but the institution is to bring um, quality, openness, access, equity to the wider community of Nantucket, all mm -hmm. of which we can do with like a really wide range of people 
wide range of styles and things that I think sometimes in a company, maybe that would be difficult. Don't know. I've never run a company. Um, I also think that it's really nice to, and this goes back to maybe the challenges each year. It's, we've had such a lovely group of people and it's always a small group of people. It's maybe, you know, from 12 to 16, 17 dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then five or six musicians to stage crew production people. And we all, end up really getting on the same page or I'm able to really like get everybody on the same page. There's a a responsibility. Your responsibility is the person they're looking to. And I don't know. I feel like that may be difficult in a larger, in a larger setting. Um, That's one of the most fulfilling things for me though, is the ability to get people or the, or or not the ability, but the fact that it ends up as like, this is a goal of mine Mm -hmm. each year to bring together a an extraordinary group of people that get along that are fed by each other because like you don't listen i've done the summer run around fly around dance everywhere get reviewed think that you have to do things and the ethos of this festival is definitely not that like we're not asking people to like get their insta followers to come to the show we're not asking for the it's like it's a sort of a time for people to be able to unplug and to feed themselves with their colleagues dancing with their colleagues musicianship with the fact that you're dancing for 300 people who are like so in love to be there like there's not mm-hmm. an alter ego it's like we're sort of in service again to the library like the, the onus is off us like we're we're doing also this very civic-minded wonderful thing for a great institution and it when the goals change i feel like people's openness and ability to experiment and level of tension and level of stress that changes too. And those things read in a body, you know, what we do is so physical and and those mental states change how your body uh, reacts. Absolutely. That was so wide. We started with like challenges, but like definitely a challenge every year is, is that personnel creating that environment mm-hmm. for this group of people is very very important to me right. because i feel like that actually is what really informs the shows like mm-hmm. what people i think have come to like see and love in this situation very up close like that is like seeing people at ease enjoying themselves and and doing things in a different way than they've seen them in boston in san francisco in where wherever right right so speaking about personnel how is it that you decide what dancers you want to bring to the festival because they're not just like you just mentioned they're not just from new york city ballet dancers that you're very familiar with you bring in dancers from all over so how do you make those decisions um super early on i really always picked out specific pieces and then went with the dancers that the choreographers wanted to work with for those pieces. Mm -hmm. And then once we sort of had everybody tied to that first, that was, you know, the first um, tie in with the program. And then we worked with shaping up whatever other offerings they were going to bring in subsequent years. It's, you know, a multitude of things happened. We I've had, you know, there was a couple from a nameless one of the four largest companies in the U.S. had mm-hmm. to pull out like a month before because their director was like, wait, you're not released anymore. And they were like, yeah, we what? are. They were like, no, you're not. And so <laughs> then it was just like, listen, like the library's not litigious. Like we have contracts or whatever, but it's like really 
Right. What does anybody gain from like trying to force an issue like that? Mm-hmm. Sure. And so then you have to um, you have Scramble. to change your game plan. Yeah. And then you have to call you know people who again would fit in with like that nice group atmosphere that I'm talking about. And so then all of these other considerations come into play. But I mm-hmm. think I really start first with the the work or somebody's work um, in the idea that it would be a new commission. And then mm-hmm. we go with dancers of said, you know, dancers who fit the bill for those pieces. I mean, sort of like an underlying goal of mine in this whole process, going back to the music, mm-hmm. is I like Jared and I, I don't know if you were talking about this with his music thing, but we've been all over the world to music festivals and concerts and, and everything. Like we travel for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is such a rigor to the programming in the classical music world, like in any genre, in an op- opera concert genre, in a chamber music genre that really doesn't exist so much in the classical ballet world or the neoclassic ballet world. And, and it's like more difficult because mm-hmm. I think that a lot of those pieces are, are full pieces. You can't do mm-hmm. a concert evening of 20 minute pieces because you'd have three pieces. And then that's like, Oh, that's what we see in someone's season. Right. But sure. there's like a way to try to bring the rigor up. So they're not just looking at like three sets of, of 32 fuetes, which are really excellent, but ballets moved beyond, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know of one choreographer in the past, of ballets that I've liked in the past 15, 20 years that has put in 32 poetes in a ballet. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody would be scratching their head. Like, even if you can do this, what's the, like, I don't get it. Why? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, and so, yeah, I think like trying to bring a little bit of that rigor into the program um, also informs the, the pieces and the people that are doing them. Mm-hmm. Do you find that the Nantucket audience, um, informs what you what your choices are in a way that you know maybe certain things wouldn't be you're able to take certain risks because you're you're saying that they're this this passionate sort of uh ballet fan yeah is does that enable you to have a level of freedom in the rep you choose well listen for like a 300 person house we have a very diverse audience Mm -hmm. we have the light ship basket ladies, you know, with the scrimshaw on top. And like, these are the people that are in the cities on the coast down mm-hmm. in Texas who are like, they're on their company's boards. They know what they're looking at. They're right. passionate about these things. Right. Um, so we have a subset of people on the Island who are like, like passionate, passionate dance fans, mm-hmm. real dance fans. Like they, they know what they're talking about when they like go and see programs. They're, they're, they're the people that are like, I'm not getting that subscription because I don't want to see that. You know what I mean? Right. Like they're really like knowledgeable people. We also have people that are on the island like me who are not there for leisure, who are there to work. Like we have like people whose gardeners are coming, people who like own shops in town that are bringing their families. Um, so it's like there's it's like a multi-pronged audience, mm-hmm. half of which tend to be super knowledgeable and opinionated about what they're going to see half of whom want to come and see something. I mean, a quarter of whom want to come and see something that's enjoyable for the family on like Mm -hmm. an Nantucket summer evening. Mm -hmm. And another quarter who are like, maybe know a little bit, maybe they've seen Black Swan, maybe they want to come and they have an idea already about what dance is. And hopefully we're going to change what all of those groups ideas about dance Mm -hmm. are, Mm -hmm. is, are. I don't remember what 
<laughs> the conjugation was <laughs> earlier in the sentence. Um, and so that makes it really interesting. Like that is a challenge that I have like super loved about this because I am the kind of person, Jared and I both, I mean, and we say this every single time we go to the opera and we see someone like throw an enemy's baby in the fire and my God, that was my son. And what it's, it's, it is like, watching the real housewives of new jersey except it takes place in civil war in spain uh-huh. i mean it is like everything you're feeling are things that real people feel right. i mean and it's operatic because that's the way it feels inside sometimes mm-hmm. i don't buy that it's not for everybody or that everybody can't be moved by that right I really i do not buy it i don't buy that only people want to go see bro i mean like you literally so many people can surprise you with what they want to see and what they think they want to see and what they end up liking case in point we there was a piece that troy schumacher choreographed for anthony roth casanzo and my brother jared angle (laughs) that was down at the players club in new york city just off um gramercy park south of gramercy park and it was like a one-off there is a society, and I'm forgetting the name, but it's it's basically like an early music chamber mutant society that mm-hmm. um, they have concerts, uh, early music concerts that they do in different environs around the city. And they were doing, and Jared and Troy did a a piece to a Vivaldi secular cantata where Anthony was a willing, and this was a long time ago. This was like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And... It was amazing. And I went there and I remember I went and I had at Friend of a Farmer beforehand, I went and had a double scotch because I was like, oh, this is something that really could crush and burn. I'm like, <laughs> it's I love this music and I love Anthony and I love Jared and I love Troy. But I was like, I have seen so many of these sort of things that are horrendous. Right. And, and I just think it's going to be horrendous. And so... <laughs> um. And so, you know, I went and I had a double. I don't know if I should say this in the podcast, but I I went and saw the show and I was really, really moved. Mm -hmm. It was so beautiful, beautifully sung, beautifully danced. And it wasn't just, uh, it wasn't just like park and bark with Jared running around. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't like, I'm a singer and a dancer. (laughs) It was, it was beautiful. There was a reason for them to be together doing this. Mm-hmm. And I loved it for years and years. And then one year I was like, you know what? The Nantucket Athenaeum Dance Festival needs a little bit of maybe not so veiled homoeroticism to an early Vivaldi secular cantata with harpsichord <laughs> and countertenor and one male dancer for 16 mm-hmm. minutes. So you and, guys did it. I, yeah. I was like, Troy, let's restage it. Like, I'm going to call. And of course, listen, it's Nantucket. It's amazing. Saying someone obviously had a harpsichord in their house. And I was like, <laughs> Molly called me. She was like, I think that we have someone with a harpsichord. I was like, you've got to be kidding Incredible. me. I want that. I want that harpsichord. They got the harpsichord and, and it was a, it was a huge success. I mean, I had, I had people from our major sponsor from a, from a, ba- a major bank on the Northeast come up afterwards and say, you know what? I really loved that Vivaldi piece with mm-hmm. your brother and Anthony. Like there were people in that audience that didn't even know what a countertenor was, nor that a man could sing in that register. Right. And it was amazing. And everybody loved it. I mean, that would be a hard sell anywhere, like Mm -hmm. anywhere in in New York City. I think it would be a hard sell. 
Um, but it wasn't really a hard sell there. And that's not because everybody was a dance fan. I think it's because we, you know, we do a bunch of outreach programs before and we discussing themes and discussing topics. We had a whole like intro to uh, countertenors, you know, like Via Anthony has uh, like such good stories about Castrati and, and he's so charming. Uh -huh. And we did a whole event in the library in the main hall where he sang a bit of, of Summertime from Porgy and Bess and uh -huh. like wild everybody. And so you, you get people sort of like to unlock a little bit their minds and their, their, their preconceptions mm -hmm. and sort of to, to think in a little like wider sphere. And then that openness goes a long, long way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's one of my most favorite, like, oh my God, I'm going to, this is, this is my last year. I hope wow. everybody's enjoyed. This is, you know, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, what a great don't moment. Raise the fundraising goals, but it was, yeah, it was lovely. It was really lovely. Well, we only have you for a few more minutes before you have to run off to your next rehearsal, but quickly before we let you go, it, can you tell us a little bit about what's coming this year at the festival and what um, audiences can expect to see? Oh yeah. Um, one thing that I think is really fun is that Janie Taylor is going to come dance at the festival. Wonderful. I got, I mean, she, so she and Jared grew up together at mm -hmm. the school of American ballet. And like in every performance that I came to as a child to see like either like an SAB lecture or with, a, you know, my family or like early shows at city ballet. I feel like Jared and Janie were always dancing together. And this is like a big part of like my subconsciousness growing up in the ballet world. Mm -hmm. And, she reached out actually, I don't know whether it was last year or the year before about, how, you know, she was like looking at people's Insta stories and this, and she was like, it looks like so much fun. It looks I like so much fun. When we were <laughs> doing the same ever, thing, we're like, this looks awesome. <laughs> and if you ever, if you ever have need or if there's a reason, know that like I am, and I've seen her dance again with LEDP when they were like at the Joys and two programs that were fantastic. And, mm -hmm. um, and so I reached out. Benjamin has a, a really beautiful, beautiful parada to, Beethoven's Appassionata Sonata. I mean, he didn't call it Appassionata, Beethoven, but it became known as that, and now that's the title of the ballet. And it's to mm -hmm. that, um, to the slow movement, which is like a set of variations. Also great because we've never had any Beethoven at the festival. So um, Janie and Jared are going to do that in the festival this year. I'm really super looking forward to it. Another thing that I'm really excited about, um, and this is because my dressing roommate at at um, the theater is Taylor Stanley. Mm -hmm. And I just looked over at him. This is a two-pronged thing. But I, there was a ballet that, that Benjamin did um, I don't, a couple years ago called Hearts and Arrows to a Philip Glass string quartet from the 60s, I think. Um, and it's a really, really, really stunning piece. And there is a, uh, a duet in this piece for two guys. And... I actually don't remember who was dancing it when I saw them at the Joys, but it was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. It was one of those things that you, and Benjamin stuff for me is always like this. It feels good to dance. It's, right. When you're doing these ballets, it's just like, it's the, it's the movement. It's the way you want to turn when you want to turn. It's like, it just feels good. It feels right. right. It feels like you're just sort of like arriving when you should. And mm -hmm. there was this dance for two guys and I was like watching it, really loving what they were doing, being selfishly sitting there being like, I, I want to do, do that. <laughs> and I have never, ever put anything on the, like, listen, I try to steer clear from like all the usual tropes of like, hey, I'm in charge. Like, 
I'm going to hire all my friends and all my family and do the blah, blah, blah. But this was one time where I was like, you know what? I'm going to program this because I want to dance it. Ah. And so I asked Taylor, I was like, Taylor, like, would you ever consider like, you know, would you ever want to like dance a potato with me? And he was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it was cute. And we've had like, we've had like a, re- like our relationship as colleagues has grown a lot since we've moved, you know, since he moved into my dressing room. And yeah. so it was like, I think a really nice thing. And then like the very next day after I asked him to do this and then was like, okay, we'll just wait and see how the schedules work out and see if that is fine. And then a few days later, he was doing the run, the runaway again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Taylor, have you ever, or what do you think Kyle's feeling would be to do the very first your solo from the runaway? Would you be allowed to do that? Or that we didn't know if there were issues with um, exclusivity or with the music right, right, or right. you know things like that. So I reached out to Kyle. I reached out to Nico. Um, Nico, who's always been amazing about like yes, like have the music done. He never asks us for any sort of um, royalties because it's a benefit. I mean, people are really lovely when it comes to this thing because it That's is a, right. a benefit and a fundraiser. Right. And Kyle said the same thing. Kyle was like, "Yeah, I would like, I would love for Taylor to do this." Um, Kyle also amazingly like just wrote me and like asked for his me as basically almost just like an honorarium that we were offering for the performance of the worst. And he was like, can I just give you like an organization to donate this to? And like, and I was like, amazing, like so amazing. Um, But yeah, so that Taylor's solo, Taylor's like amazing solo from the beginning of Runaway we're doing as well. Um, that's incredible. I mean, yeah, that's one of the I'm... breakout movement moments of dance last year. Yeah. Yeah. Nantucket will get to experience that. And I think that, it's yeah. Wonderful. And I think it's like going to be really special, obviously, because the, the piano will be right there on the proscenium. And mm-hmm. to see that that close, it's a super intimate and quiet and powerful. Mo- I mean, like, I think what we all felt when we were watching it at that gala was like we were literally right in front of Taylor's face. Like I felt like he took me right into him and I was sitting way back in the back of the orchestra. Oh, and so right. I'm really excited to see what, how that power is amplified in a small yeah. space. Um, another thing that I'm super excited for is for Jeanette and Kleber um, from Miami City Valley, they're, you're, but for your listeners, they're going to do the Potata from Square Dance. Which oh is my not God. something that's, excerpted a lot but we again uh-huh. we have these amazing like our musicians are in, they're incredible like they're like cut your heart out and eat it incredible and uh-huh. so we're like uh, uh-huh. like with string players and 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 that vivaldi a lot of people have done like bach actually made an arrangement to that for four pianos and string there's like a lot of music flying around and options for ways to to do that um so i'm mm-hmm. really excited um Cause that's not something. And again, so this is like also like trying to find things that are like fitting into the wider bill of keeping this like artistic rigor up. Right. Um, it's not something that you're seeing a lot and definitely not excerpted. Um, that I think will be very interesting up close and in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I love it so much. And those two are so fantastic. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Wait, Michael, well, we got to co- get ourselves there. <laughs> no. Yeah. You have to come. Um, <laughs> what are the dates? Um, will you tell us? So it's the tw- <laughs> we're out on like you know festival week events happen uh-huh. the 22nd through the 28th and the performances are friday and saturday of that week and i believe that that's the 26th and the 27th of what but month? i mean like 
the whole oh sorry july july <laughs> 22nd through the 28th fantastic <laughs> um Wait, and last thing that I'm really, really, really excited about yes. that was new last year. We did a, I reached out to a former colleague, friend of mine, Jeff Edwards. I don't know if either of you know him. Mm-hmm. Um, who Love that. Former He's soloist, the best. Yeah, at City Ballet, who now teaches at Juilliard. And we've, I call him to bounce ideas off of, to get advice for things. We live in sort of a similar um, area in Brooklyn. And um I called him last year to sort of get a list of candidates that he thought would be interesting for a new commission of like of of choreographers from the Juilliard School, like recent graduates or seniors, people that I wanted to pair up with um, musicians who were writing new things. Because, again, it's like the best part of like having musicians who love to collaborate and do a lot of new music is they're like, Tyler, if you ever want like all of our friends write music, like let me throw out ideas and. So for the past like many, several years, like we've been doing these things with people that have written music for the festival or people who are still alive that can make changes and arrangements for us. It's, it's incredible. That's and cool. last year we had a new piece by Austin Goodwin with music by Christian Fredrickson. And it was really, really fun. The process was amazing with four couples from City Ballet. And we just like got together i mean talk about commitment it was in the spring season last year and like every sunday evening after the matinee and like a lot of mondays we would get together and we would create i mean austin would come in and the dancers would be there and we would be choreographing a new commission for the for the festival and it turned out super super well um like the austin style really melded with the um with the ballet of the mm-hmm. dancers and the dancers were really willing to like let the sternums drop and be a little like schlumpy in a, in a way that Austin wanted. Mm-hmm. And right. I, we came up with something that was really wonderful. And usually <clears throat> when we've done commissions, I like we wait a few years and then show them again at the festival. And I thought, you know what? Like we basically finished this thing like the week of the festival. Right. And then they just did a show and I'm like, and it hasn't been seen anywhere else since like, yeah, bring it back. People aren't going to be tight. Yeah. I was like, let's just, right. like, let's work on it again. Let's really like finish it and fill it out and do whatever editing you want or add. And, and I'm excited that we're able to do that again. That's so great. I'm sure oh, yeah. the dancers and audience alike will be so happy to revisit that. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's funny. Actually, one of my, like one of my, closest friends that they live in Nantucket from the summer. They're people that I know that they're uh, big time donors to city ballets, but city ballet, but have become like uh, friends of the, of the family throughout the years. And the, the wife of this couple afterwards at this premiere, she said (laughs) she was like listening. She was like, it started. And she was like, and you know, Tyler, it was very dark on the stage (laughs) and they were all in beige and the music was very sad and slow and she was like oh no like what are you doing she was like tyler what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> but then she said then she said she really ended up i mean because obviously the, the mood and everything and it, it all changes but i was you know she had she actually had like a path of like acceptance into an in, into enjoyment and mm-hmm. i really appreciate it i mean this is what i love about her is it was very honest feedback but I loved it. I was like very happy to hear that maybe the audience was a little unsure in the beginning and then yeah. fully came around to the end, which made me confident in my decision to bring it back 
right one more time but i'm really, right I'm, I'm excited about it fantastic well i'm sure our listeners i hope that everyone will go check that out if they're in the area or could get to the area it sounds like a wonderful wonderful festival and we're jealous we want to be there <laughs> we should maybe we will we'll see we will link uh on our website and various social media platforms to the festival so that our listeners have easy access to ticketing because I know they're all going to want to make that trip up. So, Oh, wonderful. Uh, oh, yeah, that'd thank, be great. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for chatting with us again on your break, Tyler. That and, was a pleasure. Yeah. Now it's like a coffee and more rehearsals. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to circle back to your career. We didn't get to talk too much about that, but maybe we'll have you on again and be able yes. to go yeah, through we'll all leave of it that. open for another pod. We're about the festival and that's, good. listen, that's good. I'm happy for that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for your all time, right. Tyler. We'll talk to you all later. Right. Pleasure talking. Thank you for tuning in this week. If you are new to the podcast, we invite you to click available episodes in your favorite podcast app to explore our catalog of over 140 episodes with some of the most influential people in the ballet and dance world. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. New episodes of Conversations on Dance go live every Monday. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.